0: y'all. My name is Justin, and you're listening to the Appalachian Psychedelic News Podcast. We are your source for a balanced, vibrant, and open discourse on the past, present, and future of psychedelic medicines and sacraments in Appalachia and beyond. We build meaningful community bridges through our events, education, and news coverage. You can learn more at AppalachianPsychedelicNews.org. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Appalachian Psychedelic News Podcast. Today, I have a sweet guest. His name is Benjamin Greenswag. Did I get that pronounced right? You get extra credit. Yeah, nice. All right, I got it. All right. okay. So, Ben is a seasoned events veteran, entrepreneur, and the co founder of Momentum Events and the recently launched Momentum Communities PBC, with a deep passion for destigmatizing the conversation on both the diagnosis and treatment of mental health, including psychedelic assisted therapy. Greenswag served as the executive producer of Psychedelic Science 2023, the world's largest psychedelics conference, and Momentum Events proudly played the role of show organizer open about his personal wellness journey, Greenswag passionately believes that everyone has the right to find their mental health balance. And he works tirelessly to create learning and community building opportunities that can open minds and change hearts. Thanks so much for coming on today, Ben. How are you?
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Uh, Justin, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, you know when you read the bio out loud, you realize, okay, that's probably enough
0: guaranteed yeah, no we we shine up our bios, I get it for sure where Where are you calling in from?
1: So I call South Carolina my home, okay. I'm right here by the water in the northeast portion of the state, and um, you know, I moved here because uh I don't like snow and I like seasons, so I get my three and a half seasons, and I don't have to shovel, so color me happy
0: guaranteed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm calling in from Northeast Tennessee. We get all four seasons here, and uh, I like that balance. Um, I lived in SoCal for a little while and uh, got no winter out there, and I actually missed it. Um, but yeah, you know, everybody's got their flavors for it.
1: Yes, I can tell you right now, cold is not my friend. Um, I'd much rather be hot and humid and sweaty. I can't necessarily think that my whole family agrees with that, but For me, it's better than shivering. So to each his own, big country to live
0: in. 100%. Yeah. I mean, America has such a a vast landscape. Have you ever driven across like the entire United States before?
1: So I've been in about 20, 25 states so far. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I think you could say that California you could be in four seasons within a drive based upon Guaranteed. where you live. Right. That's, yeah. It makes that geography pretty special. Doesn't it?
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like an alien landscape going across it. I mean, going from like wild, lush, green waterfalls to like a place like Sedona. Um, mm. I feel like the United States did do something right in setting up all these national parks that we've got. Um uh, it's 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 a special thing about where we
1: live here that I really appreciate. Sedona is beautiful. Um I've driven through there. Uh, absolutely love love that part of of Arizona, real gorgeous. Um you know, your neck of the woods. I love you know, obviously I love my South Carolina, love Tennessee, I love North Carolina, Kentucky. Uh you know, there's just something about the hills and the landscape that I just find very comforting. Um, and personally, I like to be close to water. I'm not Mm. a sailor. I don't own a boat, but there's something about being, you know, close to ocean or river that is comforting to me. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. In Peru, they, they call the ocean mama cocha. Uh, and I've always Mm. appreciated that like relationship to something that they see it as like a living being. And I hear that in how you're describing it, you know, um,
1: there is a quote that I have on an old coffee mug, uh, which is: "All things are healed by salt, uh, sweat, tears, and the sea." I love that. I love that. It's pretty true.
0: Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend. I no, used matter to... is, no matter what your faith
1: is, no matter what your faith is, what what one believes, you know, water plays such an important part in so many religious frameworks. Mm. Um makes sense why there is certainly a good portion of us called to it, certainly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, by water and religious frameworks, do you mean like the Great Flood and things like that? Like what else are you referencing?
1: Well, Great Flood is certainly one. You obviously have baptism. You mm-hmm. have washing right. of the hands. You have terminology of living water. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of references to, to tears. Um, so, you know, water is such, and, and that's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. So that's just what's prevalent in my experience, but you don't have to look too far. Certainly, uh, for other religions and spiritual practices to know the importance of water. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I find so amazing about, uh, you know, I know psychedelics is, is kind of what we're talking here about is. There are not many things that are grand unifiers especially these days but passion for healing is a grand unifier and i think on a biological or spiritual level um you know i think water is also a pretty grand unifier uh, you will find you know some practices worship the sun and obviously you have various deities and and beliefs but water is, you know there's no life without it and i think that's why it's so prevalent and i see those two similarities uh, with that and psychedelics. And I tend to have a big soft spot for anything that brings people together, especially these days.
0: Right. Beautiful. I'm curious about, um, yeah, you say you're a Christ follower. Uh, Could you share with us a little bit about your story with that? Did you grow up in that? Um, And then eventually I'd love if you can remember that moment, if you didn't grow up with, uh, psychedelics as a part of the christ framework that you grew up in? Do you remember that moment where um, you realized that from your vantage point, um, psychedelics would have benefit for yourself and others?
1: Yeah. So um, I have an interesting spiritual journey. Uh, I'm certainly um, not unique, but I was born and raised Jewish. And to me, the religion Uh, never felt tremendously comfortable to me. Now, Judaism is very interesting, right? Because it is both a religion and a culture. And so it's important to separate out, in my opinion, the culture from the religious perspective. And so religiously, it was something I never really uh, connected with. And over time, I drifted into becoming an agnostic Right. And the old joke is an agnostic is just an atheist that wants to be safe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, you know, what I have learned in my journey is that if your feet are not on a firm foundation of of faith, no matter what that is. It's very easy to let the events of life knock you off your footing. Mm. And so through a series of very challenging life circumstances. My agnostic beliefs became atheistic beliefs, and I was adamant that there is no God, and that everything was numbers and science and the randomness of the universe. Right? I could answer. I could answer the how, um, and never even cared to answer the why. And this coincided with uh, some very difficult challenges in my life. Um now parallel to this is I grew up in the 1980s and I grew up in the just say no generation all drugs are bad they'll cook your brain um I remember vividly a poster uh there was a there was a big old thing that went around you know this is your this, this is your brain this is your brain on drugs and they were scrambled eggs yep. and I remember this poster remember for the life of me I can't remember each image but there was like a parody of it that is, you know, this is your brain with sausage and this is your brain with cheese. And it was like 12 different omelet textures. It was just hilarious. That when yeah. you actually bought posters and put them on your wall. Right. And, and, and so I was a pretty straight edge kid. Um, I've never smoked a cigarette. Um, I've never done a, an illegal drug, certainly uh, throughout college. Uh, my experience, uh, you know, with, with cannabis and my own psychedelic journey was, was well into my 20s. Um, My drug of choice was, you know, the legal drug of alcohol, which is, of course, a drug very much so, and and more dangerous than than many of the others, uh, potentially. And so all this kind of came together. Um, It was, you know, within the past 10 years, I launched Momentum. We had a very, very challenging time starting the business. Um, And then just when things were getting themselves right, my original business partner passed away from a rare form of brain cancer. And so we were kind of back in this chaos mode. And this is where um, my mental health really started to deteriorate significantly. I always struggled um, as far back as I could remember. Everything from massive memory gaps as a kid, no short-term memory um i would wildly modulate from everything is great to everything is terrible never quite accepting that hey that's that's not normal <laughs> you should kind of be in the middle somewhere it's like everything's amazing or everything is absolute garbage um and i would say the company i was working at before i launched momentum was was pretty terrible for my mental health and again no need to go into the reasons why but when you have all these external triggers and factors, it pushes you pretty far, pretty deep. And so I was diagnosed with PTSD, major depression disorder, and general anxiety disorder. And I struggled with talk therapy, couldn't find a therapist, couldn't find one. I mean, everyone's got the same story, right? Can't find one, find one you like, find one you can afford. Um, you know, horrible state of mental health in, in this country on that side. Um and I refused to go on Western medicine because, again, growing up in the 80s, you know, real men don't admit that they have mental health issues, buckle up and all that great stuff. And so um, I suffered and I self-medicated with all, with, with, with uh, alcohol. And I found some relief in acupuncture and Chinese medicine, which I absolutely credit for, you know, keeping me just on the flat side of the cliff. But I was suffering uh, in so many ways. And it was, it was an awful time of my life that I certainly remember and I can recall, but I never want to go back there. And then I'll never forget, it was about 2014, and I'm just in the middle of yet another breakdown. And then three people come into my life who I really had no earthly business knowing, um, and they were all Christ followers. And they saw me struggle. And Jesus always interested me. I grew up around Christians. And I always found the faith fascinating. And they weren't evangelizing. They weren't converting. They were just listening. And with everything they said, it just started to go off like a tuning fork. And I'll never forget, I was in Washington, D.C. And I met one of these individuals who became my spiritual mentor. And I'm walking back to my hotel, and then I have this unbelievable epiphany, which I now call my awakening, which was, oh my, there is a God. His son is Jesus Christ. He's come here to save me. He does not want me to go through with my thoughts of self-harm. He loves me, and he, and he cares for me, and he's going to save me. And this was just an unbelievable moment of, of, of awakening. It's, it's the best word I can use for it. And so I started to familiarize myself with, uh, with the religion. And what I got called to is non-denominational Christian, which is, if you've ever read Mere Christianity and C.S. Lewis, which is a phenomenal book, um, it strips down the essence of Christianity, the teachings of Jesus. And it really focuses on God's want for people to have a relationship with him, which is not necessarily a religion. And so this all started to really come together. And I'll never forget about a year later, I feel compelled to profess my conversion to my spiritual mentor who was helping me. And I'll never forget, I said to him, Stuart, I'm, I'm almost there. I believe it. You know, I believe Jesus Christ is the son, uh, is, is the son of, of God. And he came here uh, and, and he died for my sins and he, and he paid the wages of sin with death. I believe it, I believe it. But I had this one sticking point which is, I'm Jewish. And uh, he turned to me without missing a beat and said, Ben, so is JC. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. And he said, listen, don't consider yourself a a converted Jew. Consider yourself a completed Jew. Mm. And that was when I realized that I could easily integrate, before I knew what that word meant, um, my my spiritual pathway. And so um, the story does progress. Uh, and I certainly will get into you know how psychedelics weave into this this narrative, but um from that day on um I have felt tremendously comfortable and just so grateful uh that 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 God would save a wretch like me and care enough about me.
0: Wow, something that really stuck out to me there was you saying the difference between a converted Jew and a completed Jew. Um, and that that came from what sounds like a, a direct internal contact with Jesus, with God, with that knowing, and yeah, I wonder if you could expand a little bit on that converted versus completed. That that part is really intriguing to me.
1: <clears throat> so I've come to define converted as a way that possibly negates where you've been and replaces it with where you are you know with with mdma therapy time is a human construct so after you go through the work at least for me um i was able to rebuild a new narrative of my past after unearthing um long buried childhood traumas that I had no conscious memory of that pretty much so explained everything. Mm -hmm. But rather than ignore who I was to get here with this new knowledge, it's almost as if through my therapist, I was able to create sort of a a new storyline from before that trauma occurred, or those traumas occurred. And so it's not a conversion i i my my past is not erased but that chapter is done and then here's the next chapter which happens to flow from the prior chapter Mm -hmm. and so you know as i've gone deeper into my faith and um you know i read uh, i read scripture both old and new testament and i understand you know even uh, you know the 120 something prophecies that jesus fulfilled well, it's one thing to hear it, but I actually want to learn what are those prophecies. Let's go into the you know the book of Psalms and let's read what it's saying. Um, it's the continuation in God's promise, and there's a whole theological conversation about you know why the split and all that stuff, which is a whole different conversation point. Right. That that's how I address conversion versus completion, right? Which is a nice parallel to psychedelic assisted therapy. At least for me, it was.
0: Yeah, yeah. What I hear in a, in in a lens I'm feeling into with it is is the the idea of soul and the concept of soul where there's, you know, just kind of like a story, a mental story versus like, even when you went like this, I was like, this is a soul arc. And souls have chapters where like, you know, mind and mental things are just sort of like focused on like, if I fix the narrative, everything will fall into place. Um. Yeah. So, Something I'm curious about is, um, I, I, I believe I you have had an MD, MDMA experience. Is that accurate?
1: It is, and I'm <laughs> writing down Soul Arc. I like that
0: Soul Arc. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I'm nice. totally going to that. Um, cool. I've actually had two MDMA journeys so far. I've had two. Okay. Yeah. One How's was that in fit March into your soul arc? <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautifully, actually. <laughs> nice. um, well wow. mm-hmm. Because in my first journey, it became very clear to me why I was so called to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and not on uh, not being able to understand why I was so called. To him. And then in my second journey, um, my faith was tested, and. I was unafraid to die Mm. because I knew where I was going and who I would be with and who was saving my soul. And from that, I was able to get a pretty clear direction on my purpose uh, in this limited window of life we have here on this planet. And so I know having spiritual experiences with any kind of psychedelic therapy is, is, is common. And one of the concerns of people, like the old me, the just say no, all drugs are bad, is that if you have these under therapeutic conditions or or non therapeutic, might I add, you know, you are going to lose yourself and you are going to turn against God or nature or connection. But you know, anecdotal, personal, and even research so far all show the exact opposite: that you have a greater connection to each other, a greater connection to God, nature, Jesus. Buddha, whoever it is that 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 you that you believe in um and that was my experience, certainly, from my two treatments so far
0: yeah well i you know I was going to ask you to speak to that moment where maybe you were questioning whether or not psychedelic assisted therapy was right mm-hmm. for you from that religious um background because I know that's a common fear for folks, especially there's so much that could be tied into that fear, you know. Uh, You could be kicked out of your family. Um, You could be um, kicked out of your community. Um, There's a number of different fears associated with it. Um, But I I do know, for example, there was a Johns Hopkins trial that was just completed um, where there was 16 religious leaders that were in this trial. Um, And in that trial, it seemed like that was one of the common fears but as your experience shown, and most of the ones in this study, and anybody that's curious can find that online, um, is that it often produces what you spoke to. It actually um, produces a closer connection to your religious orientation. Um, I wonder if you could speak to that more about having had that fear come up and been inside of the experience. And like, what was it that sort of pushed that aside eventually and was like, you know what? Actually, I feel closer to God or closer to Jesus because of this experience. Did you have a direct insight or was there just an overwhelming feeling of trust when you were under the influence of MDMA? Um, What was it that kind of broke that? I don't know what to call it, trajectory or belief, let's call it.
1: Yeah. Wow. There's a lot there. Um, sure. Great question. So maybe I'll answer it chronologically. Hmm. After my umpteenth breakdown in 2018, after 2017, 16, 15, um, I finally uh, decided to go on uh, some Western medicine. And, you know, I've gone through the SSRIs and that whole ride. and. You know, listen. For me, the side effects were not great. I didn't enjoy them. Um, I even forget the names of all the ones that sound wonderful that I have been on and tried. Um, but one of the last ones that I was on, it gave me a short window of, of of mental balance, and it was from that window that I decided I was going to try to solve my brain's problem, because several years earlier, the moment of clarity I had was why can't I fix myself? And the answer is, when your brain is the thing that's not working right, it makes self-diagnosis and repair impossible. So now that I felt I had a little mental health balance, I figured, you know what? Let me try to fix my brain. And that is when Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind came to me. I'd like to say I stumbled upon it. I'd like to say I Google searched it. It found me. And like many others, I read that book in about three days. And with each page, I came to have this just whisper in my voice, which is, hey, this, 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 this describes you. This, this might help you. You should be open about this. And so my wife, who married for 20 years, who was my best friend, was massively supportive of this. So I had no issues from her. Um, I was not deeply involved in the religious community at this point. So I was kind of on on an island of a few. Funny enough, I would admit to you here that I was more embarrassed to admit that I was a Christian than I was considering psychedelics. Because growing up, you know, in Jewish communities, those that had converted or completed um, were met with a lot of skepticism, uh, and not all the time, but enough that it was prevalent. And I understand it. I understand nobody, you know, nobody wants to be told that, you know, they've left the group in their ways the right way. So I, I give them space. I understand that. perspective. For me, it was just getting over the fact of, wow, am I, I going to do an illegal drug? <laughs> That's not me. It's not what I do um but after reading that book and spending several months researching everything i could about psychedelics and i mean i read research papers i barely understood i listened to ted talks you know i called the the researchers and the entrepreneurs and the scientists who were doing all this work in 1920 who were very generous with their time who just told me what this was about and with each call i got more and more firm that this this is going to make sense for me. and so I decided that I was going to undergo NDMA therapy, and I had my first treatment on March 3rd, 2020, That a week or two before the world shut down. And I was on the phone with my mother, who also was supportive, and I remember she said to me, hey, listen, there's this thing going on, and, you know, I know you're in the conference and trade show business, so I think it's going to have an impact for at least a few weeks (laughs) on your business. Uh, Is this? Do you think this is a good time to do this therapy? And I said to her, well, mom, I don't know if it's a good time or a bad time, but something just tells me it's the right time. And so when I underwent the therapy, after I was able to unearth, relive and release these the first batch, I'd say, of childhood traumas, not the sum total, what became very crystal clear to me was what had brought me so close to Jesus, which I did not know, is I was suffering so badly for so long, unfairly. All I wanted to do was good. And I had been taken advantage of in many ways for so long that that level of suffering and abuse that Jesus had experienced, and and mine was only a fraction, of course, of what he did. I felt so much connection and I felt a sense of community in his suffering. And that was the first major affirmation I had in my first treatment with my faith.
0: You know, I know that like, I I believe it's the 12th step in the 12th step that like points folks towards a higher power. And that even young and many other um, people say that, like, eventually there is this higher power that must take over and must be a part of the healing path. I know that in some cultures, um, healing and spiritual growth are the same thing, Um, that essentially your destiny, your soul is meant to go through those exact things to come closer to that higher power in your own way. Um, to live out your life and have that make sense.
1: Yeah, there's tremendous validity to that, Justin. And I would say that there are some people who can, who don't need to relive their traumas, who can simply accept their lack of control and move on um, as a healing journey. There are some who need help. Uh, to me, the thing that was so apparent in my, two, um, uh, in my in my two journeys was that you know God has put these medicines on this planet for a reason, and if you are indigenous and your believer deity has put you know peyote iboga on this planet for a reason, that 's no different than me believing that a smart mind created by God manufactured MDMA for a reason or LSD for a reason. Um, so that, that, that was almost a stronger conviction of mine. And also having so much respect for these as medicines and not drugs was also another deep appreciation I came away with, mm-hmm. but also recognizing not to get caught up in the psychedelic, uh, you know, wave here is that they're also not for everybody. And we get into a very dangerous world when we start thinking, this is, this is the magic bullet. This solves all the problems. It's like, no, no. <laughs> I th- no. That's not at all how this works.
0: Yeah, it definitely doesn't. And I think often it does what it they do in their own ways, whichever ones we're talking about. They um, have that breakthrough moment where it's so hard to get through to, to ourselves, to anyone inside of deep suffering or deep pain or deep trauma. Um, they help to break that barrier down. And then from there, like life is still to be lived you know, and I like in South America, they'll say life is the ceremony. Um, And I think that that's what it is. It's like, okay, beyond your use, your peak experience, how are you showing up in day-to-day life ceremony? Um, So you mentioned a few different medicines there, and I'd love to use that as a transition into something I'm curious about. So Uh, Momentum is hosting the Kentucky Summit on Exploring Breakthrough Therapeutic Potential for Opioid Use Disorder. Uh, So this is happening pretty much right in the heart of um, opioid country, as some might call it. Um, As many of us know, uh, opioid use has been um, tremendous across all of Appalachia. I've experienced that on my own. We may tap into that at some point. Um, but I'm curious, why are y'all hosting this um, in Kentucky and what's uh, what's behind it?
1: Yeah. So following uh, Psych Science 23, what became clear to me and, and my partners was, you know, what happens next is really where the real change is going to take place. And so we launched a new brand, a new company called Momentum PBC, Public Benefit Corporation. You referenced it in the intro. And the goal of PBC is to create psychedelic and wellness events, virtually and in person, that address underserved topics, underserved communities, underserved geographies. And so what that really means is because we have in our Uh, in our formation, um, our business plan is operating at a much lower uh, operating margin than we would on the for-profit side of the house. Uh, And to be clear, PVC is for-profit. I have strong opinions that for-profit versus non-profit, um, there's nothing wrong with either model, but for-profit is how our society does work and it allows us to reinvest our capital into more people, more programs. So PVC is for-profit. But, we accept a lower profit level, and we have certain tenets on the way we create conferences from our content and right through our guaranteed scholarships, as an example. And so, you know, I was made aware of what was going on uh, in Kentucky a while ago, and to me, this event really tugged on on several big, important heartstrings of mine. Number one, you've heard my commentary around suffering. Um, to me, there is. Nothing more gut wrenching than the suffering of innocent people. Um, and whether those are trauma survivors, whether those are veterans, whether those are those who have battled with addiction, um, and the list goes on. Um, two, for the movement, for the psychedelic movement to really achieve its goals of becoming normalized and accepted and reimbursable and approved by the FDA and covered by insurance it needs to speak to the 80, 85% of this country that were just like me on the outside looking in of the movement. Um, This community does not need momentum to necessarily run a conference on what are psychedelics in New York, Denver, San Francisco, LA, uh, as an example. They're great programs. It's very sophisticated market. Um, But You're not going to find a conference on psychedelics in South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky, Wisconsin, you know, other areas as well. So this really ticked sort of the geography area. And then addiction. Uh, It is remarkable how little funding there is for anything involving addiction. Um, And I know I'm not the first one to say it and I'm not going to be the last one to say it, but um, that's got to change. And so the confluence of what they're doing with the Kentucky Opioid uh, Advisory Commission, the $42 million proposal to allocate for Ibogaine clinical research, coupled with the location, coupled with the mission, to me, I honestly couldn't have thought of a better place to run an event like this than in Kentucky.
0: Yeah, well, I'll I'll speak for myself. You know, I am happy to see it in this region. Um, You know, I'm recording this from just a few hours from there in Northeast Tennessee in a small town where I grew up. Um, and the opioid epidemic hit us pretty hard here. Um, I was a user for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. I never like got quite as addicted as some of my friends. Um, and I went through tremendous, um, community suffering. Um, In relationship to watching how opioids affected myself uh, and um, my friends. I'll share a little bit of my own backstory with it. Um, I had been a pretty heavy user and I was pretty much at that point where I was like about to be full-fledged addicted. Mm -hmm. And I say I had a divine intervention and I got in a wreck. And when I got in that wreck, I needed um, a certain amount of money to fix my car. And I had just spent all of that money that I had in my savings on opioids and on painkillers. And I took that as this like devastating blow of like, dude, you gotta get your shit together, you know? And some of my friends weren't as lucky as that. I had one friend die who, um, uh, took Xanax the next morning after um, Suboxone or whichever one of those are contraintegra. It's Suboxone or methadone. I forget which one, but he, he took that and he died. Um, And, you know, so many Appalachian families are um, affected by this. I just watched Dope Sick, um, the series, Um, just finished it up a few days ago, honestly, in preparation for this conversation because so many people have been telling me to watch it, and I know it's uh, based off a book as well. And oh, like watching that series um, to get that reminder of the widespread effect of what happened with opo- opioids everywhere, but especially all around Appalachia. Um, I know some of the characters are um, composite characters in the film, so it's not all entirely true of each character um but i can say as someone who's been in the community here um that it it hits home exactly in the way the impact has been felt here and all over appalachia Um, as the film or the series shows it reaches far beyond that person that's struggling with addiction or struggling with um what it's like to actually want to try to come off of opioids, but then have to experience these um, really intense withdrawals. And, um, you know, I, I, for those that aren't um, familiar with Iboga or Ibogaine, I know that this conference uh, has a lot of focus on that. And that, that $42 million that Kentucky is proposing is going towards researching ibogaine. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more um, about ibogaine and maybe some of the speakers at the conference.
1: Well, I cannot proceed without thanking you so much for being open about your journey and your involvement and your passion um, and where it's come from. And praise the Lord you are here with us to help others. it's funny. Everyone who I talk to either has a family of a friend or a friend of a family who is, was who battled with addiction and in some cases lost someone to addiction. Um, to me, the irony is that here we are, all of us right, fighting spending billions of dollars to get medicines that have been known to work in some cases for hundreds, thousands of years in certain communities, approved medically. And it's a very hard uphill battle. And yet one of the causes or one of the largest needs for these medicines smoothly sailed through the regulatory process and was able to be approved reimbursed and incentivized and there is a very dark irony to that and, and I choose not to dwell too much on that because it's not beneficial. But I don't think we can, I don't think we can convert our thought process to forget about that but use it as part of a completion on what we're doing going forward. Um, To that end, this November 30th summit is designed to give anyone who has any interest in Ibogaine, um, and Ibogaine specifically for addiction, OUD in particular, a 101 course on what is this medicine? Where does it come from? How does it work? What will this funding potentially do? How will it get rolled out? Give me some examples of lives who were changed through personal testimonies. And then pending this gets approved and rolled out. How do I get a loved one or maybe even myself enrolled in a clinic or a site to be part of this research and find my spiritual restoration? Um, that is what this event is designed to do. So, speakers, um, I mean, I could literally list everybody, um, but we have uh, Professor uh, Deborah Match, who has been pioneering uh, Nora Ibogaine and Ibogaine research for decades. Um, you know, we have Juliana Mulligan, um, who's been working on Ibogaine treatment. He, uh, she herself uh, was an addict as well um, to share her story. And she's been working with the commission on how these funds are gonna be uh, distributed. We have Kevin Murnane, Dr. Merne, who is over at LSU, uh, who sits on the intersection of Louisiana's share of uh, their opioid settlement money, and they're using it to combat both um, opioids and uh, methamphetamine. And so he's going to share what they're doing down south uh, for the communities there. You have Srinivas Rao, who is the chief scientific officer at Atai, one of the companies that has invested tons of money in developing uh, Ibogaine and Noribogaine uh, for this. Uh, So we also have some wonderful perspectives uh, from individuals who themselves have gone through psychedelic-assisted therapy, um, and they're wonderful in that their bravery in sharing their story uh, is wonderful, and clearly they are, they've gone through a tremendous amount of uh, pain and challenge. One of them is an amazing woman named Cipriana Kwan. Um, She is very public about documenting, uh, you know, decades-long sexual abuse from a parent And then another one is uh, Ben Askins, who's a current uh, Kentucky uh, Army uh, battalion surgeon. And he is certainly going to talk about his experiences uh, as well as as a treating physician. Um, And then we have our closing keynote, uh, which is a conversation with Kerry Rhodes. Uh, Kerry Rhodes is a former NFL player for the New York Jets and the Arizona Cardinals. He's also a Louisville Cardinal. Uh, he's an actor, a musician, singer, songwriter, and he's very passionate about, um, about this topic, uh, about his own experiences. And he's going to really talk about, um, how he came uh, across uh, this information, uh, to make the decisions for himself. So I know I'm letting, uh, I'm, I'm kind of leaving people off because I don't want to list everybody, but uh, check out the agenda. It is everything you want from science and policy, uh, community, uh, patient perspective and more. Uh, So, yes, the conference is November 30th, 2023 in LaGrange. We chose LaGrange because it is relatively equidistant from Louisville, Lexington, Frankfurt, and Cincinnati. So we wanted to make it convenient for the major areas to go to. Um, So we had thought long and hard about introducing um, more of the sort of indigenous honoring with Gabon. And there were obviously, um, you know, if you've watched any of the hearings, of course, in Kentucky, there was representation there. Uh, and we actually chose to not include it. And, and for no real, you know, sort of, you know, uh, deep reason other than our goal is to bring a lot of people to the summit who've never even heard of psychedelics, yet alone Ibogaine. And we are, uh, this is not our last event in Kentucky. And so I think there'll be plenty of opportunity to start introducing. Uh, different narratives, different stories, and more of the history. But there's so much information we needed to get to individuals who are coming in. Hopefully, we we hope most people come in with no baseline whatsoever of knowledge, because that's our goal. Um, and so it's just a matter of how do we tell the patient stories, give the update on the commission, talk about the science, talk about the research, uh, see what other states are doing. And at that point, we're ending at like 6.30 at night. So Uh, That will definitely be featured on the next program for sure. I would just say again, thank you so much, Justin. Um, For anyone listening, uh, we have a number of full scholarships available for this event. Part of our mission for the Public Benefit Corporation is to um, reduce, if not eliminate, any financial barriers uh, to learning and attending these events. And um, we're very fortunate to have gotten some generous donations from individuals who are very passionate. About this topic and this area, so uh, we have well over a hundred plus scholarships still available. slash kentucky There's a big black box in the middle that says "Apply for our sponsor our scholarships." Uh, please click that button. Anyone who demonstrates any economic need uh, will be approved for this event. Um, and I would just say, for those of you listening, if you are even the least bit curious, or you know someone who might be the least bit curious about what these medicines can do, come. Get the information yourself. Don't rely on what you read. Heck, don't even rely on what we've told you here today. Learn for yourself. Ask individuals who have been doing this for years, in some cases, decades. Do your research and make the right decision for you or a loved one. And I will end again to express my gratitude to you, Justin, for sharing information about your journey and for doing your part in helping spread healing to the people who need it the most. Thank you, Justin.
0: Thanks for listening to our first episode. You may have noticed a bit of jumping around at the end of the episode there. Unfortunately, my internet malfunctioned. We still had Ben wrap up. We appreciate you, Ben, and look forward to seeing you again. And hopefully, we'll see some of you at the Kentucky Summit on Exploring Breakthrough Therapeutic Potential for Opioid Use Disorder in LaGrange, Kentucky. We hope you found some value in this episode. Send us a message with your feedback and other guest ideas. Y'all come back now. You hear?